Once again, it is What's Involved. So good to have you along with us. I love, well, I love the show, obviously. I love the fact that uh, that you spend some time and, and you give me your time to listen to the show. But what I enjoy most is some of the guests that I have on the show and the fact that I get to meet and interact with uh, such amazing people. One such person tonight, and uh, I must say, when I when I first read a little bit of his CV, I felt more than a little uh, intimidated, but he promises that he'll be kind to me. Uh, who am I talking about? I'm talking about Dr. McLean Sabanda. LLD, LLM, Commercial Law, LLB, MSc Engineering, BSc Engineering, and I think the list could go on. But over and above that, he is an author and a hell of a guy. Uh, McLean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, uh, David, and uh, thanks uh, for having me on your show, and uh, also good day to your listeners. Wonderful stuff. Now, before we dive into the book, this is your first book that you've written, uh, a fascinating book indeed. It's called Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems, which sounds like a lot, but we're going to break it down during the course uh, of our chat. Uh, but before we get there, McLean, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, born where, grew up where, what did you do that led you to the point where you decided to write a book. Yeah, so David, I was born uh, in Bulawayo in uh, Zimbabwe. I went uh, to a government school and uh, went to a high school in a school called Plumtree. And then I was fortunate uh, to get a scholarship uh, to attend a Vets University to study for an engineering degree raised by grandparents uh, who were quite entrepreneurial and, uh, and a mother that was also very uh, you know, entrepreneurial and I guess uh, inspired me to, uh, to see uh, that uh, entrepreneurship uh, has got a future. And then studied uh, engineering at WITS, uh, sponsored by De Beers uh, and uh, worked for De Beers Industrial Diamonds um, after completing my master's uh, degree. Um, and I loved it. Uh, first introduction into innovation and intellectual property also took place uh, at De Beers. And from uh, De Beers, uh, you know, went on to uh, join uh, Adams and Adams and train as a patent attorney. And I was also fortunate uh, to be one of the first uh, uh, Black African patent attorneys in the country and uh, then went on onto a journey 15-year uh, journey in innovation in the public sector in South Africa. Wow. And you, you've, you've, I mean, you mentioned De Beers, but I mean, you've worked at some, some pretty uh, impressive places. Uh, currently, where, where, where are you and, and what are you doing currently? Yeah. So currently I'm with a great company called uh, The Big and Group. Uh, so I'm a managing director of Big and Global Limited. Uh, which is a vehicle that we use for uh, expansion into the rest of Africa. Uh, so Biggin is an infrastructure development uh, specialist. Uh, we look at uh, closing the gap in terms of the infrastructure deficit uh, in uh, Africa uh, in various sectors, water, sanitation, energy, real estate, uh, healthcare, development advisory impact, and agriculture, and as well as transport. Wow. Okay. Also, if I'm not mistaken, you were the CEO of uh, the Innovation Hub as well, weren't you? 
Yes, uh, that's actually quite interesting. Uh, I mean, my office at, uh, at Biggin is located at the Innovation Hub. Uh, so for seven and a half years, I was uh, you know, privileged to be the CEO of the Innovation Hub uh, to lead its turnaround. And in essence, a huge part of the book talks about that turnaround, what we did, why we did what we did, and how can some of these things be scalable uh, to the rest of the continent and also other developing countries? Fantastic. One of the things that you say, and, and to me this, this rang true, and I, I suddenly felt this intense sense of pride for being an African. You said that the future of Africa is bright. Innovation and not aid is the answer. And I, and I, I just think that, that you hit the nail on the head there because we live in a country on a continent that I believe is full of untapped potential. And I believe we, we have the ability to become amongst the best in the world at what we do. Is this a statement you'd agree with? Absolutely. I don't think that we have the ability to become uh, you know, the best. Uh, we are the best. Uh, and I think we see it in terms of um, you know, how Africans have been able to uh, to survive uh, some of the most pressing challenges uh, that um, uh, they have faced. Uh, and in essence, when we also look at the demographics, there is no other continent that is well positioned uh, to really demonstrate to the rest of the world that we are the best. We have exported a lot of uh, innovations into the, into the world. Uh, we have a youthful uh, population uh, as a continent, whereas the rest of the world is aging. We also have demonstrated our ability to, um, to, to, to in essence, embrace technology. If one looks at the, at the penetration of mobile uh, technology throughout the continent, amongst the fastest uh, or highest adoption rates uh, throughout the world, and indeed, uh, Africa in essence, needs to now really position itself and take its rightful place amongst uh, leaders uh, in the world. I would agree with you 100% there because, you know, yes, we have uh, in our country and throughout Africa, we've been through some very, very trying times and, and very horrific times in some cases. Uh, but I, for one, am, am tired of, of being seen as, as that cousin that always embarrasses you at the party and, and hearing, you know, continued references to this day about Africa being the dark continent, third world countries, et cetera, et cetera. So I am so glad there's a voice that is speaking out at the moment. Okay, let me ask you this question, though. Why the book? What led you to write a book? So one of the things that uh, has occurred uh, to me is that we don't tell enough of our own stories. And I think there's a saying that um, until the lion is able to tell its story, uh, the stories of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Um, and wherever I go throughout the continent, and I've been uh, fortunate to travel uh, both the length and breadth of the continent, uh, mostly innovation-related or looking at infrastructure projects uh, or intellectual property, I get amazed by the potential in some of the countries, but also the hunger and thirst 
uh, for knowledge and entrepreneurship amongst our youth. And having completed seven and a half years at the Innovation Hub, I look back and I uh, realize that there is actually amazing stories of hope, amazing uh, stories of real success, uh, and also stories that demonstrate uh, that uh, Africa has what it takes uh, to be, uh, uh, you know, the best uh, in the you know in the world. And so, nuts and bolts, in essence, uh, captures uh, stories uh, of real people. Uh, and these are entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, as well as other people that uh, I've been uh, privileged to walk the path with. And it's really stories to inspire, uh, but also uh, stories uh, to help other people that are embarking on this journey uh, to understand the ecosystem uh, components, to understand the challenges that entrepreneurs face but also for leaders uh, to actually understand that when leading a transition, there will always be challenges. And how did uh, someone like me navigate some of those challenges? Fantastic stuff. My special guest is uh, McLean Sibanda, author of a fantastic book. It's called Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. Uh, we'll be back with more from McLean. This is What's Involved. It's so good to have you along with us. And we're back. What's Involved it is. My special guest is McLean Sabanda, author of Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. Now, when you when you look at that that byline there, my first response was, "Oh goodness, this is going to be a very academic book," and I was pleasantly surprised because it's it's not an academic book, as you said, it's it's a book that has stories and there's stories of hope. But let's dive into to some of the book, uh, McLean, because you know you played, as you said, quite a quite a role in this turnaround of the innovation hub. So let's start there. Talk to me about the developing of this, this uh, innovation uh, hub and uh, the repositioning of it? Yeah, so David, um, the, the, the Innovation Hub is an agency of the Houteng government, uh, and it was conceived as part of uh, the, what I called at the time, uh, the Blue IQ uh, set of projects. In 2005, uh, they opened up the doors, uh, having been incubated at the CSIR just across the road. The location is a perfect location because it is located uh, right between the CSIR, the largest research uh, institution in Africa, uh, and also the University of Pretoria, one of the top uh, five uh, universities uh, in, the, in, in, in the country. 2011, uh, 2010, I was approached to say that we're looking for a CEO to reposition it and to focus uh, on uh, innovation. Uh, at the time, I was the group executive for commercialization at the Technology Innovation Agency, uh, and I put up my hand and I was hired. Uh, and uh, I started my first day in February uh, 2011 uh, with about 22 staff, uh, and none of them uh, had a science or technology background. Uh, and so I realized that was the first challenge uh, if one was going to embark on an innovation journey. And so fast forward, uh, 90 days later, we had a strategy approved by the board. We we're going to build uh, capacity, recruit subject matter experts, 
uh, and reposition the innovation hub and broaden it into also tackling various sectors that were of importance, not only to Gauteng, but to South Africa and the continent. Uh, seven and a half years later, uh, the innovation hub um, you know, grew uh, to have uh, sector specialists uh, in green economy, in bioeconomy, as well as ICT. Uh, we had also broadened to go into the townships and, and, and hence embrace a broader uh, definition of uh, innovation, which is inclusive. Uh, and there is a whole range of competitions that have been established uh, and also partnerships uh, and uh, over 400 entrepreneurs were being incubated per year uh, at the time that I left uh, in 2018. Wow. Okay. But now answer me this question because it's something and, and, and a couple of people I've spoken to have, have come back and, and said a very similar thing. When you, when you hear about this uh, innovation hub, you know, this developing of innovation and entrepreneurial culture, a lot of people seem to be, be, scared by this and put off by this and like, oh no, 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 you know, I, I just have a little idea. Why would I go there? And, and you know, it, it's sort of, it's almost as though you imagine that there's going to be a huge amount of, uh, of uh, uh, bureaucracy. Is that the case? David, you know, sadly, that is a case in in some of the incubators and also some of the structures that have been set up in essence to assist entrepreneurs. Uh, and in the book, I dedicate a chapter to looking at these structures such as uh, you know, science parks and incubators. And I think throughout the book, perhaps I lend my voice to what in essence should be an approach of anyone that is working at one of these you know, entities that it is actually a privilege and an honor uh, to be on the front line to serve uh, budding entrepreneurs. And so when we establish ECASI Labs, which are innovation centers uh, that the Innovation Hub now runs in the townships, it was really an attempt to uh, bring innovation closer to uh, the people that uh, would think that, uh, you know, the, first of all, difficult to get into the Innovation Hub in Pretoria, uh, but secondly, thinking that that was uh, for other people and not for them, uh, and also dealing with the, 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 the inculcating a culture of innovation, which means that uh, look around you, find the problems, start to solve the problems that you face around you, and then start to innovate, uh, you know, upwards. So, in essence, I think uh, the entrepreneurs face huge challenges. And part of the book is, in essence, meant to empower uh, the entrepreneurs uh, to walk uh, the journey of entrepreneurship with, in uh, some cases, without uh, the, you know, these agencies or incubators. Uh, but it is my hope uh, that um, more and more of uh, people that work uh, at uh, agencies such as the Innovation Hub, uh, TIA, uh, NYDA, uh, GEP, and so forth, uh, will read the book and embrace uh, this important uh, way of thinking uh, that we are, but here to serve. How important is, is that concept, though, 
in terms of, of South Africa and in terms of, of, of Africa in general, this concept, uh, I believe, of servant leadership, uh, because, you know, we very much, and, and it's been something that's been entrenched in, in, in our society, corporates and, and, and sort of medium and large enterprises very much have been a very autocratic, top-down kind of thing, you know, do as I say, and if you dare to think differently and ask why, then you're seen as a troublemaker. How important is this servant leadership? I think it's it's absolutely uh, you know important. Um, I think uh, the the thing is that no one is complete on their own. And I think if we go back uh, to the principle of Ubuntu, uh, the African principle of Ubuntu, it says that I am because uh, you know you are. And and one of the things that I've also realized uh, is that. Every day we uh, get faced with significant moments, uh, and these significant moments present themselves in various ways. Uh, it's an entrepreneur that approaches you and says, I need help. How you relate to that person will also determine how other people relate to you into the future. And so I think it's important for us to adopt a principle of, say, treat others as you'd like yourself to be treated uh, and also understand that at some point you will get to a point where you would need to get to a government agency for assistance how would you like to be treated you know yourself so very important uh, and i think uh, increasingly there are more and more younger leaders and also more mature leaders that uh, have that uh, I encounter that are embracing that principle. Well, that I think is, is some good news because, you know, if you, if you look at uh, the economic state of, of our country and, and some of the other countries in Africa, we're not, we're not doing so well. And, you know, I had my eyes opened a little while ago. Uh, I'm not sure if you've come across the gentleman, uh, Gigi Alcock. And, and he, he, one of the books he's written is something called Carcinomics. And when I was talking to him about this informal economy and this, this, this thing that's happening in and around townships, I was absolutely blown away. And I, and I thought to myself, but nobody's really serving these people, you know, and, and, and it's, nothing is being made easier for them. And often, you know, you might be um, an aspiring entrepreneur, but to find hope and to find somebody that believes in you is, is incredibly challenging. Is, is this something that, you know, reading the book, we're going to go, okay, yeah, entrepreneurship can be a lonely journey, but it doesn't need to be? Yes, uh, you know, absolutely. I think if one goes through the stories uh, of uh, people uh, like Terence from Akamisa, there is also a great story uh, from uh, Tutuko Shezi, Livestock Wealth. Uh, there is amazing uh, stories of entrepreneurs from the uh, townships, a guy called Martin, uh, you know, in there. Uh, and Pasega, who is doing amazing work uh, in the water security uh, you know, area. Uh, and also Tihani, who is leading geek culture. Uh, one actually then gets to see that, uh, you know, in essence, it's, it, it, it can be lonely, but there is help. Uh, but also uh, that one has got to keep on knocking. And I think that's really what entrepreneurship is about, uh, is that um, you, you're taking a risk. You understand that there will be a reward into the future. 
And I think an important uh, thing, uh, David, uh, that uh, you know I've I've come across is the fact that those that succeed in the journey of entrepreneurship are not the ones that set out to make a lot of money. The ones that succeed are the ones that set out to solve a problem, uh, to improve the well-being of society uh, and others. Um, and the financial monetary success, you know, comes through as a re- as 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 an as a result of uh, them actually solving the problem uh, and uh, creating benefits for others. Yeah, very true, very true. My special guest is McLean Sibanda, author of Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. We'll have more from uh, McLean when we come back. Uh, I want to dive into some of those stories and maybe see if uh, you'll relate some of those stories to us. This is What's Involved. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back with what's involved and my special guest, McLean Sabanda. Nuts and bolts, strengthening Africa's innovation and entrepreneurship ecosystems. It's a must-read book because I got a lot out of this book. I certainly understand some of these ecosystems and, and the innovation hub, et cetera, et cetera, a little better. And some of those stories are incredibly inspiring. Uh, talk me through just one. Pick, pick a story that sticks with you, McLean, and, and talk me through that. Yeah, so let me, um, you know, pick up the story of Riabetwe Udiba. And this is a young man that uh, walks into the innovation hub uh, when he was uh, 17 years old. And he had, he had no clue what was going on, uh, but the mother was quite passionate about innovation. In fact, the mother is, uh, is one of the coaches uh, that the innovation hub uh, and, uh, and also MLAB has been using. And he attends uh, an event that we called at the time Maxa Mondays. And Maxa Mondays was uh, something where we uh, give people free coffee and we have an entrepreneur that has uh, successfully executed uh, their business idea, uh, talking to other budding entrepreneurs. And uh, the format was that they talk for about 15 minutes or so, and then it's Q&A. And on that particular day, he gets uh, inspired, uh, in essence, by uh, an entrepreneur uh, that was speaking. At the time, it was a guy called Craig uh, McLeod, uh, who had worked with Mark Shuttleworth. Uh, And that uh, impression stayed with him. Um, And fast forward, um, uh, Riabetsu went on to become part of a geek culture movement. Uh, He is now a geek. He is uh, currently a business analyst uh, with Holland Partner uh, you know, Solutions. And his life, in essence, has been changed uh, because of that single encounter on a Monday uh, morning over a free coffee with a number of uh, people that were much older than him. And in essence, for me, uh, you know, David, uh, these, this is what uh, I believe that uh, ecosystem builders uh, should really be waking up in the morning and going out uh, to do to inspire younger people uh, to follow the route of uh, innovation and entrepreneurship, because that is what is going to build our economies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm a firm believer that that uh, this innovation and, and entrepreneurship is definitely uh, the way to go. 
I'm fascinated by that story, but there's there's a couple of others. So so let's jump into one more because I, I don't want to give everything away. I want to leave a lot of meat in the book still. But uh, let's let's have a look at one more story, if we don't mind. Yeah. So let's uh, have a look at Ntutugo Shezi. I've spoken about Ntutugo uh, in an earlier Ntutugo, a, a very bright uh, entrepreneur, a great future. I bump into him at the SAB Foundation Awards uh, in a one evening, and uh, he relates a story. Someone points out to a very short guy in the crowd and says, that's McLean, the CEO of the Innovation Hub. Go talk to him about your idea. <laughs> So he comes and he says, you know, I've got this idea um, and, uh, you know, it's really looking at how we can monetize the concept of cows. I say, what do you mean monetize cows? He says, well, in the old tradition, um, you know, cattle were a form of wealth, uh, but now we've all moved into the cities. And I've come up with a concept where uh, city dwellers, in essence, can own uh, cattle. Uh, and, um, and 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 uh, you know digitize it and what have you. So I say to him, well, come over and pitch uh, your idea to the innovation hub. He comes over, pitches the idea, uh, gets admitted to our incubator. Fast forward, uh, he builds a business. Uh, he uh, graduates, uh, moves on to Jobek uh, to another accelerator, manages to uh, get another 500,000 uh, to help him accelerate his business. Uh, today, Livestock Wealth uh, is a big business. He's been able to pivot it, it uh, as well. It's on 70 million uh, rand in assets as of uh, May 2020. Uh, and uh, one can look up Tutuko uh, Shezi uh, Livestock Wealth. Uh, and a great, uh, you know, a great business, uh, also very inspirational. Uh, you know, young men, uh, very humble, uh, but also very relatable. Uh, so that's another story that uh, is contained in the book, uh, which is really worth uh, reading. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And, and, and it's so good to hear this. I was, I was chatting to somebody the other day and said, you know what, we get so much bad news fed to us and so much doom and gloom. And I don't think we focus on the good news and the potential and the possibility that we have in this country of ours. So, so a book like yours that gives you a roadmap, but that also focuses on some of these stories and success stories. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Now, McCain, just uh, maybe a, a bit aside from the book, if somebody is is now listening to this interview and or maybe they've read the book and then are listening to the interview and they're going, okay, but... I still don't know where to start. I want to, I feel I've got an idea. I want to start a business because let's be honest, you know, a, a lot of people, particularly in these times, would start a business more out of necessity than, than passion. Um, and, and, you know, that's just, I think, the way it is. But where does one start then? Because it's all good and well having a great idea. But I'm, I'm thinking, and particularly those people in the lower income groups, the rural people, how on earth do we get going from idea and, and to get to people like yourselves and the, the, the innovation hub, et cetera? Yes, I think the, the, the first uh, thing, uh, uh, David, is for them to, to really think through what problem are they solving? I think that's a very important question, is what problem am I solving? Um, and how is this problem being solved at the moment? 
the idea that I have, how does it improve on the way that uh, the problem is being solved? And is someone willing to pay me uh, for this improvement that I have, I will be introducing? And if so, uh, it's important to actually figure out uh, how much one other people will be willing uh, you know, to pay you. Now, there's a tool that I call the business model canvas. And uh, anyone listening can, uh, can Google it. Uh, and it has a, is, is about nine blocks or so. And it, it really helps one to articulate their idea in terms of the value proposition, the customer segments, uh, and uh, what are you going to be doing as a business, the, part, the partnerships that you need, how are you going to make money, what are your costs. Uh, and so you can do a business model canvas on one page. I would encourage that as opposed to launching out into a full business plan. Uh, and I think once one has actually uh, done that, it's, it's then important to actually ask the question, is this idea so new that it deserves to be protected by way of a patent? Uh, and if so, uh, apply for a provisional patent application. And, uh, if, and also when engaging with prospective uh, customers and, uh, and, and, and uh, people that will help, sign confidentiality agreements. And then it's important to actually go out into the market and test the idea. There is no better way of testing whether an idea would work other than testing it with a customer, uh, a customer that's willing to pay. And I mean, Vusi Tembeguayo talks about an interesting story in his book called Vusi. And the story is about uh, a, young, a group of young people that approach him at a funeral uh, and they ask him for five rand. And it gives them five rand uh, on condition that uh, they go and raise another five rand from other people around. And these young people come back uh, having raised uh, you know, some more money. And then he says to them, why do you need the money? And they say, well, we need them for sweets. And he says to them, well, great. Why don't you go buy the sweets, uh, but sell half of those sweets to other people? Uh, and then you can keep the other sweets. And then that, that way, in essence, he had inspired those young people to think about uh, commercializing their idea uh, and also, in essence, building a business as opposed to uh, falling into the trap of consumption. So that would be, in essence, part of the advice that I'll give, uh, you know, David, and also uh, approach uh, the incubators uh, like uh, the Innovation Hub uh, and uh, some of the ECASI labs uh, and some of the people uh, that support entrepreneurs, but understand that you will be rejected as an entrepreneur. And the rejection is not a rejection of you, but it's a rejection of the, of the idea and at times people do not understand your idea. And never give up. I mean, I always keep on, I, I say to people, just keep on keeping on. If you believe in it firmly enough, keep on keeping on. Absolutely, absolutely. I think giving up is is not a an an an, an option, um, but at the same time, it's important to know when you are chasing a dead horse, uh, and this is when, uh, in essence, your idea is not commercially viable, and it's quite important for entrepreneurs to get to that decision as quickly as possible which is what the, the, the saying fail fast, uh, you know, in essence, means, is that get out into the market, uh, test uh, the, the, the product, uh, the minimum viable product or pilot, 
uh, see where the customers, consumers are willing to, to pay. Uh, and if they're not, uh, at times you have to abandon that dream and uh, pick up on another one. Yeah, well said. My special guest is McLean Sabanda, author of Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. We're running out of time, but when we come back, I'm going to wrap it up with McLean. This is What's Involved. And we're back with my special guest, McLean Sabanda, author of Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. McLean, it's been absolutely fantastic having a chat to you. Where where can somebody get the book? Is it is it one of those at all good bookshops? Yes, uh, so it's available at uh, the good uh, bookshops, uh, including exclusives at Lutz. Uh, if one is interested in an author signed uh, copy, they can go onto my website sibandalegacy.africa uh, and uh, order there on the online uh, store, or they can. Uh, find me on Twitter, uh, McLean Sibanda, M-C-L-E-A-N uh, Sibanda, or also on LinkedIn. Uh, or alternatively, they can send me a WhatsApp uh, on my number, 083-378-0230, and I'll be happy to uh, do a signed uh, copy for them. Fantastic. That website again. Because- the, uh, uh, David, there's also the Kindle version of the book uh, for those that like uh uh, reading on their tablets, uh, that's also available on Amazon. Fantastic. Sorry, uh, McLean, that, that, that uh, website again, sibandalegacy.africa. Yes, that's correct. Fantastic. Right, before I let you go, the question I always like to ask my guests, um, you've had a stellar career to date. You've written a great book. What's next for McLean Sibanda? Um. <laughs> So, David, one of the things that um, one realizes is that uh, you you don't live uh, for yourself, but uh, I think the the sole purpose of of life is to uh, improve on humanity. Uh, and so, I'm quite um, you know inspired by the work that still remains to be done on the continent on infrastructure. Uh, and so my focus uh, is, in essence, helping the Bigan group um, uh, to get into addressing many of the infrastructure challenges that we face as a continent, uh, but also to assist um, entrepreneurs uh, and innovators navigate uh, through the journey. Uh, so I teach at Africa University, I teach innovation and uh, entrepreneurship, uh, but also um, I'm working on a second book, uh, which is uh, looking at uh, intellectual property. Uh, And this would be also another fascinating book uh, in terms of uh, what uh, Africa can do, uh, should do, uh, and uh, lessons uh, from other countries such as Japan, uh, China, uh, Korea, uh, as well as uh, also lessons from uh, South Africa. Uh, so I think the future is bright, uh, and indeed, um, innovation and not aid uh, is what uh, we should be focusing on. And I think it's quite important for each one of us to make it count in whatever we do. Okay, fantastic stuff. 
Wow. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was just taken I was taken away by the dream. I I was dreaming about all sorts of infrastructure things there. Uh, McCain, thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. Uh, I know you are a very busy guy. Uh, we do sincerely appreciate it. Once again, the book is called Nuts and Bolts: Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. Uh, check out uh, McLean's website, Sibanda Legacy. Dot Africa. McLean, thank you again, and uh, I hope to chat to you when that second book comes out. Thank you very much, uh, David, and uh, thank you very much to the listeners, uh, and uh, all the best. Uh, let's make it count with nuts and bolts. Wonderful stuff. That was my special guest, McLean Sibanda. Well worth a read, that book, uh, Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship Ecosystems. This is what's involved to each and every one of you. Look after yourselves. Take care. And thank you for listening.